Have you ever had your keys or wallet come up missing and thought to yourself, it's like it just sprouted legs and walked off? Well, according to this ancient Japanese belief, you might have been right. But before we begin, if you love cryptids and want to learn the full story, both the legends and the facts delivered as a narrative story, then this guided tour is for you. Sprout that brand new set of legs and walk on over to tap that subscribe, like, or review button depending on where you watch or listen. Now, grab the oldest antique in your house, hold it close, and get ready. The tour is about to start. I'm Cody, and you're touring Cryptids Across the Atlas. My morning routine is pretty standard, really. Wake up, attempt not to stare into the void that is my phone for too long, yawn, stretch, make my half of the bed, and then head downstairs to brush my teeth, take a shower, and get ready. I typically do most of these on autopilot, primarily focused on just how delicious that cup of coffee is going to be when I get through the more necessary parts of my morning. But a few weeks ago, something really threw off my rhythm. I opened the drawer below our bathroom sink as usual to grab my hairbrush and deodorant, except when I reached my hand to where it normally lay, my deodorant was gone. Now, I had just put a brand new stick in there that week, and I keep it in the exact same spot at all times. It lays horizontal to my hairbrush in the front of the cabinet drawer right when you open it. So, assuming I must have dropped it, I looked under the vanity, in the next drawer down, I even began pulling everything out of the drawers to see if I had accidentally put it in the wrong place. But after 10 minutes of hunting, I put everything back in the drawers in their designated places and assumed I was just losing my grasp on reality. No big deal. I went and enjoyed my cup of coffee, read a couple chapters of the book I was reading through, and set about my day. An hour or so later, I hopped back into the bathroom to grab a hair tie, but when I opened my drawer, I honestly was beyond a bit shook. I yelled out to Elaine, hey babe, have you been in my drawer today? When she responded with a no, I asked her to come in and take a look at this for herself. There on the left division of this two compartment drawer was my deodorant laying on top of my hairbrush. I picked it up, looked it over, and just shook my head. I hadn't misplaced it. It was literally like it grew legs and walked off, only to come back as if nothing happened at all. Dumbfounded, I did what anyone else would do. I put on deodorant like a good boy, placed it back in its designated spot, and walked away questioning if I am real or just part of some simulation. It's funny, really, because as much as this event really did blow my mind, you're probably on the other end going, yeah, I had something just like that happen to me too. Sometimes we misplace things and other times it's as if those things misplaced themselves. But this isn't a new problem for our modern minds to ponder. As long as humans have created tools and collected trinkets, we've also had some fear of those trinkets taking on a life of their own. Many Europeans attributed this to the deviant work of fairies. In Iceland, this phenomenon might be blamed on elves. Heck. Many past Christians have gone as far as to say it's the work of witchcraft and the bidding of demons. Catholics even pray to St. Anthony, a saint supposedly gifted with the supernatural ability to find what's been lost. But to me, the best depiction of objects gaining sentience lies in the Japanese belief of Tsukamagami. Tsukamagami, literally meaning tool spirits, are the idea that after an inanimate object has existed long enough, it can take on a literal life of its own. 
First appearing in the Tales of Issa, section 63, it is said that when an object turns 100 years old, the object can then become occupied by a spirit. Often, these inanimate objects sprout their very own limbs, where they then begin a life of their own. Take, for instance, the Abumi Gushi. The Abumi Gushi is said to be a Sukumagami from the stirrup of a soldier who's fallen in battle. The tales state that upon the soldier's passing, the stirrup would become alive, waiting where it falls in hopes that its rider would come back from the grave to give it purpose once more. Honestly, I can't help but imagine that tragically sad image of dogs whose owners are lost to the horrors of war laying next to their graves. Sorry for that. Another Sukumagami takes the form of a lute. The Biwa Boku Boku is an anthropomorphic instrument with the body of a human, but its head is a biwa, which is a traditional Japanese short-necked stringed instrument, similar to this mandolin. The biwa bokuboku has been known to sit calmly in the corner of the room, playing sweet melodies in hopes of enticing its owner to play it. In more musically active homes, it's not uncommon for the biwa bokuboku to dance through the house singing with joy, often robbing its owners of precious sleep. Similarly, there's the Koto Furunushi, which, like the Biwa Boku Boku, is a living, harmless stringed instrument, but this time more resembles a small dragon. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the more modernly adored Kasa Obaki, the one-eyed living umbrella who hops about on its one leg. This cyclops parasol can often be seen hopping about down alleys on rainy nights. Sometimes you might even find a Casa Obake in a great mood where it will then offer you protection from the harsh elements. I need one of those, honestly. But unsurprisingly, the idea of sentient stuff doesn't always sit well with folks. The Japanese are historically very sentimental, opting to hold on to their old tools and trinkets for lifetimes of use and enjoyment. But sometimes things break. And to be honest, to many, having a living object in their house is a creepy inconvenience. So many people through the years have made it a point to toss out their objects before they reach that 100 year milestone. And in theory, that sounds great, except there's a catch. If you happen to throw out an item when it's 99 years old, traditionally it is said that upon turning 100, the spirit that inhabits the object will grow angry, transforming it into a yokai. Yokai are spirits notorious for causing a ruckus. Instead of a peaceful loot or playful parasol, you might end up with a vicious jar of sake or a constricting kimono. One such account of a yokai is known as the ungyaiko. The ungyaiko is a mirror, perhaps clouded or cracked, that was tossed out before its century. The Ungyaiko, now angered, takes on the ability to alter reflections to its will. Any human who looks into the Ungyaiko runs the risk of seeing a monstrous version of themselves looking back. And some unfortunate souls might find themselves transformed by this image, reshaped into hideous beasts. Then there's the Bakizori. The Bakizori is a tossed out flip-flop, literally translating to ghost sandal, the Bakizori, upon reaching 100, grows arms and legs where it wanders about, looking to taunt those who discarded it. It's been known to sneak into people's homes, where it then taunts them as they sleep by yelling, They have three eyes and two teeth! They have three eyes and two teeth! I don't know what that means to be honest, but that's what history tells us. But deranged mirrors and haunted sandals pale in comparison 
to the Boroborotan. The Boroborotan, or Tattered Futon, is a yokai that inhabits torn-up mattresses. Known for wearing out before they reach their 100-year sentience, these ragged-out mats come back from the dump in the middle of the night to strangle their past owners. Those very people they spent their whole lives supporting and comforting just to be tossed out. The Boroborotan tosses their former owners out of their new bed, rises into the air, and begins to constrict around them like a mattress snake, choking the air from their lungs. Harsh. Over the years, tellings of these traditions have slowed down a bit. Consumer culture has lessened our dependency on specific tools and items. Things just don't last like they used to, as they say. But in its prime, these folktales about Tsukamagami reminded people to cherish what they had, to treat it well, and to honor the craftsmanship of others. While few probably believed in inanimate objects coming back to life in a strictly literal sense, it's easy to see how we could grow to love and cherish these items that are often older than the very hands that wield them. They're symbols of a generation. They're tokens of our ancestors. And at the height of Tsukamagami literature, these weren't machine-made goods. Every broom, basket, and bassinet were handcrafted with love. It's easy to see how these tales could take on a life of their own, and sadly, why they're not quite as popular today. But thankfully, people are beginning to push for more quality and sustainable goods. We're slowly leaning back into the trades, handcrafted products made with care, and overall, being better stewards of our time and resources by making things that matter. And maybe that explains a bit about people's restored interest in these folktales. As manga and anime have become more mainstream, Tsukamagami has started to find its place back in our modern stories. I mean, heck, look at most Pokemon that are created nowadays. So next time something turns up missing and you're left scratching your head thinking to yourself, it couldn't have just sprouted legs and walked off, maybe you're wrong. Maybe? It did just that. Join us next time as we head to the Pacific Northwest, where a frightening, bristly bearded entity who calls Oregon its home might just be the main culprit for deathly forest fires. If you love cryptids and want to learn even more about the creatures we just talked about, find us on TikTok or Instagram. Just search username at the cryptid atlas. By the way, the episode you just witnessed is both a podcast and YouTube video, so whichever format you prefer, we have you covered. Also, check out our interactive cryptid map to browse the globe and learn about cryptids from your favorite areas. Every single episode we make adds another pin to our map. You can find our social channels, the map, and more at thecryptidatlas.com. And when you find us, be sure to tap that follow button and get in on the action by dropping a comment on our recent videos. If you enjoy this show, consider sharing it on with a friend. And if you listen on Apple or Spotify, consider leaving an honest review to help other listeners know what to expect. Thanks for touring cryptids across the Atlas. Until next time, keep your eyes open. You never know what you might see just on the edge of the road. Sometimes we miss we things. <clears throat> Plural of mouse, yes. Yeah.